Hey, this is Christina Anahosa, drummer for Stephanie Montiel, and you're listening to the Texas Music Spotlight. Welcome to the Texas Music Spotlight podcast, supporting artists and musicians from the great state of Texas. And now, here's your host, Julian. Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of the Texas Music Spotlight, TMS Musicos. My name is Julian, and this is my segment of the show. Today we got a really, really cool guest. Her name is Christina Hinojosa, drummer for Stephanie Montiel. Amazing drummer, I heard of her back uh, years ago. Um, not too long, because she's young, but just a few years ago. And I, I, when I first heard her, I thought she was amazing. I'm sure she's even better now. A great talk with her. But first, let me say a few things first about the social media. Find us on social media at Facebook and Twitter at Texas Music Pod on Instagram at Texas Music Pod as well. So basically, if you go at Texas Music Pod anywhere, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you'll find us. See pictures. I do my segments live on Facebook. Um, so actually, you, you're hearing a recording me talking to Facebook people uh, who are live in the uh, in the chat room there. Uh, so be sure to like us on there and, and jump in on the conversation with with uh, the interviews we do for, for at least my segments. And sometimes Jules the Human does his there too as well. Also, if you're listening to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Google Play, or any of your platforms, be sure to subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast so that you get all the updates when we release them right away. And also leave us a nice five-star review. We would certainly appreciate that. It helps us in our ratings. It helps us in our ranks. So we appreciate your help in doing that. Um, so this is a long one and I, and I keep saying that every time I, I host the shows like, Oh, this is a long one. And let me tell you why it's a long one, because every time we get talking, we just, it's like, we forget the microphones there. And I enjoy doing the podcast because I get to talk to them and get a little personal sometimes. Uh, and even after the mic turns off, let me tell you, we have a lot of times with not just Christina, with other people I've had in here, we, we tend to talk more than once the mic is off and man if i had a microphone for when those things happen those times oof, okay but otherwise no no maybe it's better i don't have a microphone on at those times but i enjoy that time because it's a private time between uh two musicians just just bullshitting and uh, and i appreciate that from from all the guests who have who have done so and and shared time with me here even after the fact of recording the podcast so again we're going to talk to christina about how she got started her influences growing up uh one of the things that I want to touch base on was uh, breaking out of that shadow of, of her father. And we'll we'll talk about that in the podcast. Um, I, I can imagine it's it's hard to, to break out of that that uh, that shadow and say, hey, I'm my own person. I'm my own musician. Uh, I want my own respect. And, and we talk a little bit about that and I can appreciate it. Uh, we also talk about her time at U of H and UTSA. And of course, uh, the embarrassing moment. You know, I got to throw that in there. And her her not so favorite restaurant, fast food restaurant. So stick around, um, listen to the whole podcast. It's really good. It's long, but it's good. So if you have to listen in pieces, do it. Listen to some in the morning. Listen to some on the way to work. Listen to some of it on the way home from work. 
Uh, but listen to it, enjoy it. I appreciate it. Uh, any feedback you want to send us, please do uh, by leaving us a five-star review. So with that being said, here's a little bit of taste of, of her playing some, some jazz stuff. And I got it off her, off her, uh, YouTube and she, she, she may not like that I did that, but <laughs> it was, you know, it's, it, it's just her playing. I think it had the best, you know, tone to it. And, and obviously I didn't want to put anything that was, uh, done by Stephanie because I don't have permission from Stephanie to put that on there. But, uh, here's some, a little bit of her playing and then we'll get into her, her interview. Here it is, Christina Inhosa. Christina Hinojosa with Stephanie, right? You play with Stephanie? Yes. The drummer, an amazing drummer. I've known I've known about you for a few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never actually met you, I don't believe. No, this um, is our first time. First time meeting, right? And yes. I, I heard you, I still had the music studio, must have been, geez, about three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. I think you were at UTSA. Yes. And I saw a video of you and was like, holy shit, who is this girl? I mean, forget that you're a girl. You were just a fucking badass drummer, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, holy crap. Thank you. Freak me out, okay? And then uh, it turns out, I think Renee, our drum instructor, mm-hmm. Renee Solorzano, was, oh, that's Christina. I was like, who the hell is she? Who is she playing, right? Here All is. right. So I know you're a badass drummer. I know you're, you you play with a high-profile Tejano musician, band, artist, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. I like to find out where where you got started. Where, where, where do, what's your background? What's, your, what's the first memory of, of music as a child? Okay. Um, I grew up. About an hour south of Houston, uh, in a small town called Bowling. Bowling. Bowling High School. I graduated with fifty people. Um, <laughs> not a lot goes on there. Uh, not a lot of hobbies. Not a lot of anything. Just a lot of time, basically. And I grew up, you know, knowing that my dad was a musician. But at so this, your your dad was a musician, right? Yes, he played the drums as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. But um, I knew he was a musician, but he wasn't around and I mean that's right. a completely different story but um it was one of those things where I just immediately started playing and I think my mom tried Well now were you playing I, I want to go like I'm going to go deep I want to go, go back I want to go like did you did you as a kid did you run around getting dad stuff or did you have no, stuff I, No so he like I said he wasn't there but my mom knew you know and she had told me he was a drummer so what ended up happening is, um, as much as I think my mom didn't want to entirely embrace it, she did. And my grandparents owned a restaurant at one point. And they had all these pots and pans laying it around. And the pots and pans. Heck yeah. I know. It's a common story. I hate to say it. But I it did is. it too. Sure. I, I mean, it's, hey, I'm it not worked. even a drummer. It worked. So I had pots and pans. And my grandpa would sit outside with me in 100 and whatever degree weather and humidity. And... Just let me bang away and sing and whatever. Who knows what I was doing? I mean, I, you know, I wish the technology existed like we have now. Yeah. To I can't imagine what right. on earth I was doing. But 
I will tell you, he used to get the... My grandpa was so invested in this. And he used to get the branches from the tree, no right. joke, and shave them down. <laughs> we didn't... I mean, we didn't... We couldn't... We didn't have drumsticks. We didn't have anything like that. He just knew you needed something. I needed something to hit those pots and pans with. And they're all dent- they were all dented. And right. they'd give me more, you know, trash cans, anything. I need those back. We got to cook for the night. <laughs> yeah. We got to make the free deal. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but he, he used to just sit there with his arms crossed and his leg out. And now, did he play or he just... No, my grandpa, you know, no, not at all. Okay. Now, don't get me but wrong. Just, I come he from... He just that's, loved it. Right. Yeah. He just... I was his favorite <laughs> but um yeah he he definitely just embraced it and i those memories are very vivid for me just hitting the drum I so what he, what he put on like conjunto music or oh what? there was no music we were outside oh, it was just oh what? yeah it was me going for it doing whatever i wanted and and i would sing and i cannot sing lord i if i sing no i'm singing for me but I, I like to sing when I was little. Just who knows what I was singing as well. So, so. how old were you when, when this was with the pots and pans? I had to be three, really? four years old. So did you have, what, what were you singing? Did you, were you, did you have? I'm sure I was singing bingo for all I know. <laughs> I have an old McDonald had a farm. I, I really don't know. I can tell you. My, my mom would probably be better to tell you, but she was, it wasn't her out there with me. Right. So, and my grandpa passed when I was really young. So it's not like. I could have asked him and me retained that information, <laughs> but that was it. And everybody and I think my neighborhood knew that I was that kid pretty much screaming and singing at the top of my lungs, hitting pots and pans in the neighborhood. You were the kid making all the noise in the mm-hmm. neighborhood, right? Yeah, but you know what? <laughs> they said I sounded good. <laughs> so I'm sure they were just that's, feeding my ego, but it's No, fine. it's all that matters. As long as you sound good. Hey, she's playing a beat over there. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And But that's the thing. My mom rec- could recognize that I was not just playing, you know, whatever on, on those pots and pans. They actually, it actually made sense. It sounded right. in time and beaten. Like I said, I don't think she had a choice but to embrace it. So your mom, may have, your mom may have had an idea because she's been around it with your dad and stuff like that. She had, so. yeah, she'd been around with my dad. Um, at this point, they they weren't together any any longer. But but she she could tell you you were. Yeah, there was no way to avoid it. Um, I mean, she played. She played clarinet or something okay. like that. Okay, that, yeah, that was my point. Like she knew that you were making some sense with with right. the pots and pans. Yeah, my mom's side has musicians in it, okay. and I was fascinated. You know, where I'm from, like I said, small with the bowling high school marching band on Friday night. You know, I would beg my my mom. Sometimes my uncle would take me to the football games, and my cousins were older than me, and they were in the marching band, and I got to sit next to them and and just watch. You know, you watching the drummers? Was, yes, I, I had no interest <laughs> in any other instruments. I, and you know what? I take that back because my grandma did have a piano in her um, in her house. Out of tune, broken, everything that could be wrong with it was wrong with it. But at one point I was making songs and then I think it was like Christmas songs just that were stuck in my head. I would figure them out on the piano. But not like two hands, like, you know, here's right, two fingers, right. like, you know, figuring out the melodies and being able to recognize them. But piano was never something I actually took. Seriously, I wish I would have because... I mean, I can play simple things now, thanks right. to college, but not at the time. There was no one, no formal instruction. Right. I remember this, I did the same thing when I was little. I would, my dad set up the pots and pans, and then he would, and then we had a little piano. My mom bought me a little piano, mm-hmm. and I figured out somewhere over the rainbow. So yeah. Every, every time I hear somewhere over the rainbow, I was like, 
I always think back to that time when I figured it out. But I, I get, I get it. As a kid, you, you just start hearing things, right? right? And you, and you imitate, right? And, and you learn best by imitation, for sure. And like I said, I come from somewhat of a musical family on both sides, uh, but I mean, it was all for me self-taught for the longest time, for the longest time, and then other you know my mom's friends would recognize that I had some sort of talent I could pick out a beat but in a real sense you know my money was tight at a point and it wasn't like my mom could just go drop right. on a drum set and that's no I get it I know and it, that's the way I, I was brought up the same way you know yeah and just, it's so I'd like to say I was playing drums since I was three years old I think so <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's more like Mm, I probably didn't embrace music at 100 percent until I joined band in high school. I mean, in middle school. We got some people in in the uh, chat room. Mario Moreno says pots and pans is the best. Congrats on all your success. <laughs> Percy Card- Cardona is that Percy the accordion player? Yes, I should be. She said, <laughs> she said so. uh, Christina. Congrats to Percy, man. I know he's out there oh, with yeah. the sting. I love. Like that. I was <laughs> I was talking to him a few. I don't know, maybe like a month or a few weeks ago, and I was you know Percy and I will catch up here and there right. and i was telling him on his snapchat i don't know if you have him on snapchat or anywhere but he i love to see the hotel rooms that he's like touring <laughs> i bet well no they're all over the world and right. it's like just to see how other people live <laughs> or whatever it's my favorite part so now like he makes sure that the hotel rooms on everyone just because i told him that <laughs> i really think it's just for me well he's here watching so congrats to you percy if you're listening and watching uh on your success too james rincones says hey christina all the way from leveland texas you rock ram de la cruz that piano is the best uh, that's my cousin <laughs> Ollie Weems, hey girl you are awesome ram de la cruz emma and rex are watching you too cecilia galindo signs says uh, she's an amazing musician tony benavides i practiced on basketball basketballs at one time before i had my first drum kit hey i never heard of that i've never heard of that either That's so cool, everybody though. in the facebook room thank you so much for joining us mom and poppy are listening from sally rodriguez yeah <laughs> uh, uh, so everybody in the, ch- in the facebook chat room thank you for joining us uh, again we're here with christina hinojosa so from the pots and pans where do you uh, where do you move from there I did that for a while. Um, from from yeah. there, it, it turned into I, I I actually like like I said, my mom had no choice to him but to embrace it, <laughs> and, and I keep saying that because I, I I feel like she tried to steer me away. I tried I, to steer my son away. Well, yeah, it's just in, you inevitable, you, you know. Can't. But I think it's just because she realized I'm, that I was smart and she wanted me to embrace that and um, and use that for something else for right? something else and, uh, <laughs> sorry mom but <laughs> I get it my mom did the same thing to me she's like yeah, man, when are you gonna get that job and I was like yeah. no I wanna play <laughs> yeah so uh, sixth grade band I learned how to read music I learned how to do everything uh, to Mr. Edge uh, was that your band Texas. director? In, in that was school? my band director, Mr. Edge and Mr. Jernan, who I, are still the directors. Really? In bowling, as far as I know. Um, yes. They're See, and, and those last two episodes with uh, Mr. Sandoval and uh, Adrian Ruiz mm-hmm. was talking about the importance of the band, the band system for professional musicians. No, no. And I, and I have the greatest example of that, right. hands down, a little bit later in that development. That, and then I, lear- I've, I learned everything in there. Seriously, I, I'm not just a drum set player. I can play classical percussion instruments like marimba, timpani, vibraphone, you know, the correct way. And I can teach it. And I that that is all thanks to the start of, of Mr. Edge and Mr. Drennan teaching me everything I needed to know to get started. Now, and, were they percussionists or were they... Cause 
Mr. Edge was a clarinet player. Mr. Drennan, um, I believe he played the trombone. But Mr. Drennan's secondary instrument was percussion. So he was able to relay as much information needed. And so was Mr. Edge. Mr. Edge taught me how to read music thoroughly. He took the time to sit down. <laughs> Poor guy. I probably bothered him so much. Um, to, to explain it to me. And... and Throughout all those years, throughout uh, seven years of, you know, middle school to high school band. And at the end there, I knew I was going to be a music major. And, and I, he, he would take the time, like an hour, and explain music theory to me on a level that... Theory in, at middle school? No, in high school. In high school. At okay, this point, like, high school. Yeah, okay. I did marching band. I did the full <laughs> run, the full thing. That was like the highlight of high school for me, hands down. Uh, middle school learning was... I hate to say it, but it was boring. And it's only because I could play everything. Not that I understood what I was playing, but I had friends who struggled to actually play. Right. And for me, the playing was super easy. But And also because I'm somewhat smart, I understood what was going on too. So I was bored. But once high school hit, and it just changed everything for me. That, well, things get a little more challenging. They get right? a little more challenging, right? Yeah. And the marching and everything like that. I, did you like marching? I did. I, I, I loved it. I, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I I had fun. And we did old school traditional marching, like military style. We, we didn't, they still do that in bowling. Um, they, not the core style, the fancy stuff they do right. now. But I, I also love that style of marching as well. But yeah, it was, um, it was a lot of fun. And I learned so much in those in my senior year. I, I just so really embraced it. You get your start in drums in middle school. Mm-hmm. And going into high school, have you played a trap yet? I mean, a full set? Or oh, okay. So, <laughs> so this is where it gets sad. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think it was seventh grade, eighth grade. I'm not really too sure. Um, that's when my, my dad did pass away. Um, I'm sorry. For, for those of you... We do know who my dad is. Juan Enosa from Los Fabulosos Cuatro. He did pass away in a car accident. And that is a tragic story. But aside from that, like, somewhat after, sometime after that is, is when my mom did buy me a drum set. And I'll never forget it. And some of my friends from high school, my best friend, always tell, talks about this story. I, I was in volleyball. I was in sports mm-hmm. as well. And after rehearsal one day... Um, my mom rolled up in her uh, Suburban and there were drums in the back. And Mackenzie, my my best friend, always talks about how she had never seen me so happy <laughs> in my life. And that it was like the coolest thing ever. And my parents, um, my mom and my stepdad, Stephen, built a little shed in the back of their house because I don't think she was about to have that drum set in her house. Um and I I played in there, and they made and they made it my music room. I had a piano so, in there, I had everything. So you, she pulls up with this this drum set. Oh what, yeah, it's what an is... old Tama rock star. It had been in an attic for like I don't know eight nine years or something. It was from like the seventies. Like this is a piece of junk drum but set. That's but your... you know what? I didn't care. I was right. so happy, but it was in good condition. Like honestly, it was in good condition. It was old, and you know the drums. I want to get the reaction like, when it, like when when one. you saw them. Did you like? Holy I, shit! This is this is. Well, I mean, I was and how old were you? And how old were you? Seventh grade. Okay. So I was. I don't know. Sorry, whatever yeah. grade you're in, whatever so, age you are when you're like in seventh 13, grade, 12, 13, something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I was so excited. The only thing I had before that was a drum that had been given to me that belonged to my to my father. Like and, a snare drum. Mm-hmm, just a snare, yeah. and that that's all I had. And so, and I still have it. But <laughs> um, at that point, it was just so exciting. And then my mom telling me that you know we're gonna have. 
that shed in the back and every I, I was very excited it was overwhelming and i was there out there every day thank god okay. our neighbors didn't care okay so you get the drum set in the shed mm-hmm. do you remember the first song you played on it hmm. <laughs> no you know what <laughs> so what's the music no 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 i totally you do? do i okay. totally do so backtrack there was a, a guy i was taking lessons from just here and there every so his name was michael garza um he's from wharton awesome drummer uh and kind of dabbled in the tahano scene but he taught me basics things that i needed to know and he taught me songs that i would play up until this day so i do know the first song that i learned it was it was brick house and it wasn't like the whole beginning like with the drum fill it was just the groove so brick house and then my girl and i'll never forget he let me sit in on those two songs at this uh bar one time and my whole family went and they were <laughs> screaming bloody murder all excited so you had and your- I, I've, i have that video and i played so terribly but i thought i sounded great <laughs> that doesn't like- <laughs> matter at that point yeah so <laughs> your first gig about 12 or 13 yeah. I mean, your gig. Yeah, it was at yeah. a bar. <laughs> it was at a bar. There's nothing like it, right? No, there's not. And and the band that was that I was playing with was they were good. And they're still good. Like you know, they weren't just some little hole in the wall band, whatever. No, they were good. So well, I, I tell people like uh, when I was when I was teaching, there's nothing like watching my students have the first time on stage. Mm-hmm. And I think especially at that age, you're just like. I mean, your mind is just like holy shit, and then you get through it like wow. I was a wreck. And then when you when you're finished, you either you either hate it or you know that's what you're gonna do with the rest of your life. Yeah, <laughs> you either I was, hate or I love was it. a wreck. I was so nervous um, the whole time, and you can see it the fear and and on the video, you can see it definitely. <laughs> see it. And and then on top of it, you know, here I am with my little five piece drum set, and he's got like a huge. I mean, it was huge. There were symbol a million symbols million toms i didn't know what to do with any i was overwhelmed <laughs> i had played it before but to play it on stage in front of other people right, very with- different but yeah he would teach me here and there um you know i'd go to his house or he'd and he helped me set up my drum set when i got it and um that's kind of like where it, where it started for me um and, and he would help me with with he read music as well so as i trickled into high school he would help me with stuff there too here and there um, jazz, like for the jazz band or whatever I was going to play in. So at, at that point, did you know what uh, what style, what music were you listening to at that age? <laughs> so I was listening to a lot of emo, screamo, <laughs> rock music, uh, hands down. That that was my life. So, or pop punk, I guess. I don't know okay. what the genre has just changed over the years as does everything. But um I was very much into a band called Matchbook Romance. Uh, brand new, Paramore mm-hmm. is probably the the only one. If I st- go on a full list, that you're gonna know. Uh, <laughs> so you're a rocker. Yeah, ha- yeah. Had Definitely you listened to, to any Tejano besides what you already knew? Well, I grew up listening to a lot of Selena, just like everybody else. I'm, I'm 27, so 90s Selena. I used to jump up and down on the bed in my mom's house <laughs> listening to Selena. And when she died, like it came on over the radio. My, and I, I can tell you where it was. It's like, you remember the Alamo? No, I remember where I was oh, yeah. when Selena died. So, do I. so we were driving home from HEB, and, my, and I, I don't know my grandma turned on the radio when she heard and she wasn't going to let me know. Like they waited till I got home and they broke it down to me. Like she was a family member 
and to me it felt like yeah, she was yeah, honestly for like many people yeah and so i cried i was five years old and i cried and we had just seen her at the astrodome i went to that concert my parents you, my, yes my, we, we opened up for her we, we played we were co-headliners with her yeah with, with the oh media. yeah no i was solely yeah. there i was i was there with my signs and my wranglers and wow. and um my little shirt with western stuff on it yeah we had pictures <laughs> and everything uh from that night um, our truck got stolen uh, I lost my favorite blanket. Things that, like that that concert was the f- the only time I've ever been nervous. Really? Because it was sixty some thousand yeah. people there, and I was just like, "Holy!" Yeah, we were shit. up there. We were up there, and I mean that I remembered a lot of that concert. And I was five, five, but that's how much she impacted me. So, but yeah. That so was that was my mom listened. Tunnel. Well, my mom listened to Tahano, and that time it was one hundred six point like Kakukuka in Houston. Mm-hmm. So we constantly listened to that station. So I knew a lot. I knew a lot of Tahano, but indirectly, s- indirectly, right? You were you weren't? Were no, you I was listening a, to it. A, I was totally jamming and on the on okay. my but mom's you, bed, like jumping up and down, listening to Tahano music with a microphone. <laughs> I'm not joking. Like, we have pictures. But in high school, this is you were a rocker, but you were uh, no were you once. A closet no, honest, on a, honest to God, truth. Once Selena died, that was it. I was done with the Hanum music. Really? Yeah, because the only reason I listened to the radio was to hear when she came on it, like in rotation. I right. just happened to learn Emilio songs. I just happened to learn Gary Hobbs. I just happened to learn David Lee because I was waiting for Selena to come on the radio. Gotcha. You see, and we didn't, yeah. you know, and it's. It's funny to think of that life now because right. we have so much technology. And I am young. I'm a millennial. I understand. But I came from that life yeah. as well where I recorded it on a tape recorder yeah. to listen to it constantly. Yeah. And that was my exposure to the Hanel music was from my mom. So and my family, you yeah. know, we're Hispanic, Mexican-Americans, all of them listening to, the, you know, our, our gatherings. It's the Hanel music. Before we go any further, do you want to... <clears throat> talk about your dad's history and his influence in your playing um well it it doesn't well it doesn't go doesn't come into influence until a little bit later so and, I, and i'll go into that now since we're on a timeline of of where i started and mm-hmm. everything so once i got into high school i did the marching band i did i did your typical high school band nerd right. i was band sweetheart the whole deal and um i loved it that was my life at this point, you know, my dad had passed, you know, my, my life was already going into music anyways, with or without him being there. I think it was before that when he was alive as well. But um, I don't know if it was my junior or senior year. I was playing guitar in the what? church band. Yeah, I play. I can play some basic chords. Uh, my at Once again, my high school, we didn't have enough people to be in jazz band um, my freshman and sophomore year. Yeah. So we did a guitar class instead. So I learned how to play guitar. And my high school, Mr. Jernan had gotten an itch to play guitar. He spent two summers becoming an awesome classical guitarist. So we had a guitar class and I learned how to play. And um, so in church, I was very into the church and and I, I played guitar for the church because drums are secular for one, according to our priest. And then aside from that, there was another guy who was kind of playing like some congas and stuff. And then he ended up, we ended up getting t- to have drums, but I was pretty happy playing guitar. I didn't, I didn't need to play drums all the time. And it was something different. One day, this guy named Morel talks about how he needs to leave early from rehearsal because he's auditioning drummers for his band. 
And here I am, 16 years old, itching to play on stage. And he was like, uh, I, I said, can I audition? You know, like all out of the blue. And he, and he was like, do you know anything about the Hanel music? And I said, my dad played it. It can't be that hard. <laughs> you know, like, th- that's the, um, the, you know, 16 year old. Yeah, that's well, But I did know a little bit about it already. I just didn't know that that's what I was doing. So right. I was exposed to a lot of different musicians and i i didn't know stahano at the time so before that i had been playing with my my friend kenny uh in high school his dad had asked my mom if i could go just like to their church just to play drums it was conjunto but at the time i was just playing drums they were i was just doing what they told me they wanted you know the whole time i didn't know what i was doing i knew there was an accordion a bass player and they were singing some songs and i knew we were at church and I knew I went to church twice on Sunday, but that was it. I, I didn't really understand what I was doing. I didn't realize it was Christian conjunto music. So they taught me a little bit. They, they taught me like how to follow the accordion, you know, mm-hmm. when to play the crashes and stuff. But it really didn't come at 100% full circle until I joined Grupo Exito from Wharton, Texas. And Shout well, out. Shout out. <laughs> shout out. For, I don't even know if they're watching. But, <laughs> but my uh, this these guy, this real guy, like, you know, I go over there and if he's watching, like, like l- literally, I, I owe him everything. And, and I really do. Up into even meeting Stephanie um, and Gabe. We, I, I learned a whole bunch of cover music and th- their favorite style was David Lee style, you know, and I can play any David Lee song in the book. I've even filled in for David Lee. Thanks to Rome. I was going to ask you. Yeah, you know. I've even, and it, I really can live and album version. <laughs> so, um, thanks to Roll and Grupo Exito, they taught me everything that there was to know. And it's funny because they gave me a set list on my audition. They said, do you know any of these songs? I said, well, I don't know the names, but, oh, and I looked and I said, oh, I know Tonta. Because <laughs> I, I loved the song when I was right. little and it was old and, I uh he's like, all right well let's try it and he pushed the thing for the drum machine and I was like oh my god it's really happening what do I do <laughs> so I was like or whatever and that's all he needed to hear and we're like we're good after that I played in that band for a long time I did really? mm-hmm. I played in that band for a long time we did <clears throat> the Hanoi Mas and that's where I met Stefan Gabe for the first time of course who would have thought right and I, I, I want to get there but uh going back to your, your your dad stuff did you just a general question did you ever learn his music <laughs> well when i started playing with grupo exito it was one of those things where like you know the this guy the guy there was a guy named uh, ray in the band i mean he was a big fan of my dad's music too he'd always talk about it and to me it was like whatever you know i'm a teenager it was very like i, I didn't really want to learn it i had never heard heard it really before or anything it wasn't something i was exposed to uh you know all the time my mom didn't go and play my dad's albums all the time or anything like that so i didn't really know his music and what happens is you start gigging is people start saying you're one and a hustle's daughter oh i love this song from right. this album and that little part here here right. and Miha, can you play it and, and i'm like <laughs> i don't even know what you're talking about and i hate to say that but right no no i get that's it that's how it was for the longest time with when i was playing with grupo exito and honestly i got tired of it right 
absolutely sickened by it and and not anything to my dad right it was just like can you just accept me for being my own drummer right and it was impossible like people would come up to me oh you're really great and then immediately start talking about my dad and that was cool like i'm so glad he was a pioneer and set things i can't tell you how thankful i am for his last name and for having it in my blood but I wanted to be respected in my own right, and maybe that's me being stubborn and, well, you know. Well, so now, I mean, now do you look at it, to, to think of it differently, do you see it now as more of a, it, it was a tribute to your dad that they that they see that Right, no, and at the like I said, it was right. just at the time. Right, I was very, like, you know, stuck up 16-year-old, 17-year-old, <laughs> you know, whatever, and it, it, I just had a different mindset, and... I um I ended up you know what I'm gonna learn all his music, really. Yeah, and and I don't get me wrong, I don't know all his music, but <laughs> I know the ones that matter. Right. And and I I posted, and once I got to college and I started really embracing it and understanding it and transcribing it, I keep hitting my nose on this thing. Um, <laughs> did I, you write it out? Sometimes. Really. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes oh, it was hard uh, <laughs> music's not easy uh, I uh, recorded a few videos and put them on YouTube and and that's how a lot of people started to realize who I was I took them all down recently Aww. I did um, I just really hate the way I played back then so I was embarrassed <laughs> and I took them all down gotta keep it up keep mm-hmm. it up there Mm-mm. good no, and bad I they're guess really they're really bad I yeah I, I got rid of them. <laughs> I mean they were my videos there's right. still videos of me playing stuff that I wish I could get rid of on YouTube but um, <laughs> I did make them all private they're still there just private so right. uh, that's where that came in but my dad's influence you know I I made the time to learn the triplet on my foot. I, I learned the time to learn the swing pattern. I learned. I, I took the time to to learn the Chicano style altogether, mm-hmm. and that brought me to. You know, I was in Houston. I, I couldn't find a gig. I, I I when I graduated from from high school, I knew I was going to be a music major, and I got into U of H's music school, and I loved everything i was doing there aside from a few things but i didn't get to take a lot of drum set stuff when i was at u of h and i was frustrated and um my drum set teacher was phenomenal his name is joel fulgham um a phenomenal drum set player i learned so much from him in a year just a year right and you know, he taught me things that he didn't realize he was teaching me things that were helping me in Tahano to play. Right. So, and he knew Tahano, what Tahano music yeah. was because there was a, a student prior to me that had been playing Tahano already. So he was just showing you these things and you say, hey, I can apply it over here. And do exactly. This. And I was learning, because I was learning jazz. Well, the Chicano era of Tahano was influenced by jazz. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the elements that my dad would play in the music they came from jazz and i know that and i could have never spoken a word a word of why well, never spoken a word of it with my father about music and i know that's where it came from and i mean now since then it's been confirmed uh, by my cousin chode but um i knew i knew that's where it was coming from so that's what what i took the time to learn and those videos that were on youtube once upon a time they were recorded in U of H's uh, practice room. <laughs> in their facility. And, and they were. They were. Yeah, one of my friends stood behind me and held the camera. <laughs> and, I, and I played them or whatever. And 
that's you know from there okay we're gonna get to college i'm gonna get to college right now oh there's nothing else <laughs> in high school i was boring <laughs> no, no no we're done with high school but uh I do want to say, Percy did say that, yes, he shows the hotel rooms for you. Uh, <laughs> Fidel Alvarez, so cool. Holly Weems, yay, brand new. I don't know what that was referenced to. That was, uh, uh, was one of the bands. We, she's my coworker. We okay. was in a brand new uh, in, in mm-hmm. our office. Chito Morales, hit it like a girl. <laughs> Raquel Rivas, get it, Chris. Great interview. Holly Weems, I agree. Keep them up. These questions go by as we're talking. Yeah, I don't no, know what the reference yeah, to. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, record, uh, B by Medes. Cool. Onefre Olvera. Christina is a beast. I know. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So you're in high school. You you talk about some of the influences, uh, learning your dad's songs, and 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 I get it. You know, people tell you stuff, and and indirectly, I know Emilio's not my dad. But I'm still known as his bass player. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I still get that. Oh, he's a middle bass player. And I'm like, it was a big part of my life. And after a mm-hmm. while, I had to accept it, that that was a time frame that people understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and and, and just, that's it took me a long time to accept it. And, and, a, and a lot of it was bitterness towards my father on, right. a, on a very, like, like I said, it's not something I prefer, like, like prefer to talk about all the time. No, but but it was a bitterness. No, and and it was like, you know what? If he'd been in my life this whole time, can you imagine the drummer yeah. I'd be? That and that's well, but no. But seriously, I think I'd be like five times better. And it's okay. I don't hold it. I mean, the, life happens. Right. Choices right. are made for certain reasons, and I understand that now. But at the time, I didn't understand it. No, I was I a stubborn teenager. Well, you're an amazing drummer, regardless. So thank you. Um, so going into college, you said you went to U of H. Uh, when did you come to UTSA? So UTSA. <laughs> so here's the. It, it, it's funny. Um, I studied music U of H, and like I said, I have a phenomenal drum set teacher. Uh, but their focus was on percussion ensemble, and my focus was not there. Uh, not on necessarily percussion ensemble, but I just was losing focus altogether. And I felt like I needed to change the scenery. And um, I moved to San Antonio for all the wrong reasons in the world, honestly. Okay. Uh, but. W- Aside from those reasons, right. there was one reason why I moved here. Um, Mike Torres the Third. I don't know if you. No, know I know him. the name from where. Uh, he actually plays bass for Little Joe at the moment, and he also he also led his own band. He plays for La Cuarenta Cinco now. Does he have the mustache? Yes, he has the mustache and the pompadour. That's him. yes. Mm-hmm. He was at the the Milo thing we did uh, with the, with the boys recently. Yeah, probably he was there. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I like him. You, you can't you can't yeah. miss him, and he's so <laughs> such a nice guy. Yeah. Uh, it was one of those things like he'd come to Houston every now and then he stayed with me a few times. We became great friends and he told me, man, if you ever move to San Antonio, it, I, I'd love for you to play for my band, you know? And I was like, okay. And, you know, Mike really hadn't seen me play and he was offering me a position and it was just based off my dad, honestly. Right. And, and I told him, cool. So I figured for all the other reasons I moved to San Antonio, I figured, you know, what, if I get into the music school there, I'm just going to go. And I got into music school, so I went. <laughs> and it was it was rough, you know. At that time, honestly, since I've been in San Antonio, and everybody can disagree with me, I don't give, I don't care. <laughs> Donna was picked up since I moved here. When I moved here, we couldn't get a gig for anything. And it wasn't Mike not trying. It's right. just nobody had money. And I think back, and I'm like, well, that's because it was 2000 and. 10 and everybody was still recovering from 
the recession and right. everything. And that's probably why, honest to, to, go, to yeah, God. There's a, lot like of, that, there's a lot of issues that cause the decline of... And, and Yeah, and I figured that's what it was. And we just weren't gigging a whole lot. But you know what? I, I was learning still with Mike. Mike and I lived together. He lived with me and we jam out and we wouldn't always play the Hano. Mike comes from a, a family of musicians mm-hmm. and they know everything. That, that family is so talented so i learned a lot from him um as well and he kind of took me under his wing and you know i i got to know a lot of people thanks to him so who was uh your director at uh utsa so the percussion instructors there were sherry rubens and a guy named graham francis and sherry rubens has been there forever but what happens is you know you come in and i i remember my audition everything dr francis wasn't even there for the audition he was somewhere i think in canada or something he was a canadian guy and um miss rubens you know i was i was worried about getting in because a i was already three years into my degree and what i was, was what, what was i'm sorry before we, what was your major it, at the time when i was at u of h it was music education okay. and when i transferred i wanted to change it to music little did i know that it would be not the same but i transferred to UTSA and they put me in Dr. Francis's studio. So I wasn't going to take lessons from Miss Rubens. I was going to take lessons from Dr. Francis. Mm-hmm. And I, I never met the guy. I'd only met her. So, so I get there and, you know, I only needed to take a year with him. And <laughs> <laughs> I'd come from U of H. U of H's music school was amazing. I learned the guy, the professor there, his name was Dr. Wilkins and another guy, Mr. Warren. I learned so much from them. I uh-huh. learned practically everything that I needed to know from them on a higher level about just the basics of music and how to teach it and how to have fun with it as well. When I got to UTSA, everything was opposite and not a bad way. They right. just had a different technique. Dr. Francis and I argued every single lesson. Really? This is how you play marimba. No, this is how you play marimba. You know, just constant. And I was like, <laughs> this. Well, I, I can ag- agree to that somewhat because for someone to say this is the way it needs to be done, mm-hmm. that doesn't agree with me. Yeah. It's more like this is the way I do it. Well, he, he didn't it. necessarily right. say it in those words, but it was mean, just like, yeah. you know, you're using too much arm. And at U of H, I was told to use my arm. You know, things like right, that. Right, right. And, and it was a constant argument, but he could never say that I sounded bad. So right. he, would... he told me, he said, you know what? We're going to find something we agree on and we're going to make it through the year. <laughs> no joke. Like, seriously, he just needed me to, he knew I could play everything that he put in front of me. It's just we had so many disagreements, it would hold up our lesson time. And I wasn't being, both of us, it was cordial. It was just frustrating for me to have to relearn something I spent three years learning. Right. And, you know, he respected the professor at U of H. So he was like, you know what, let's just find something we agree on. Let's make lessons work. Let's figure something out. And that's what we did. And it was timpani. We made timpani work for a while. <laughs> uh, made vibraphone work for a while. Did you and, like timpani? Uh I, don't, I like listening. I like the sound of it. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I enjoyed it. He used to make me sing, and I hated it. He would make me sing into the drum so I could tune it, like, perfectly. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa what, what, okay, sing so into the drum? When you sing into one side of the drum, if you're doing a perfect fourth or a fifth, the, if it's perfectly in tune, the other drum will sing back the correct note. It's it, it's a demonstration thing. Wow. It, it's... It's really embarrassing to I do. I happen to have a timpani here. No, so <laughs> no, but if you go like woo into it, it'll like come out like so the other side. Your sound goes out the other side. 
Uh, well, it or, rings back. It's just the overtone. It resonates. Overtone. Okay. So the overtones okay. come back in pitch. So if they come okay. back in pitch, then you're in tune. Huh. So we we had a. Fu- I had. It was fun, but what ended up <laughs> happening is I started taking drum set lessons from him, and I owe Doctor Francis everything. I mean, Mr. Fulgham in Houston, I, I didn't get enough time with him. I learned a lot from him. Oh, my goodness. But Dr. Francis, I had time with him. I could take as many. I, could, I was only allowed to take 30-minute lessons, lessons in Houston. Uh-huh. I could take as much as I wanted with Dr. Francis. And so I did. I took intro to improv. I took advanced improv. He taught me how to transcribe. And I just transcribed like, you know, Christina, can you transcribe a minute of the song? No, he'd give yeah. me like many songs to transcribe in a week and i'd sit there and i'd do it and it, you when you can break down somebody's drumming and write it out it changes the way you play the drums right. and so i embraced jazz 100 100 percent full force at utsa and i took all the jazz courses um that i could like that you can basically i took all of them i can write for an ensemble not very well but you know if he, somebody asked me to do it, I could do it. Um, it'd just take me a little while. And I, I just embraced it so much. Now, I am no expert on a whole bunch of albums or anything like that. None, none whatsoever. But, you know, whatever Dr. Francis put in front of me, I learned and I loved it. And he really took the time to embrace my talent and, and I, I shape and form me. We talked about that with, with Roland, uh, Mr. Sandoval, and saying that, you know, once you find somebody that gets it and wants it mm-hmm. you want to give as much information as you want you can mm-hmm. to this person and, and he, seriously it, even after i i didn't want to take continue to take lessons through the school he would meet me at the most random times there was even a time like i went home for the summer and his wife and was from houston he would commute every week a uh, weekend back to houston to see his wow. wife and he lived in the heights and i was in bowling which is an hour from houston I took lessons at his like personal house just so over the summer, just so I wouldn't lose my chops over Skype. He helped me over Skype a few <laughs> times. You know, I mean, this is a, he was a good instructor right. and he actually cared about his students. And that's, I mean, not saying that any of my other professors didn't because they absolutely did, but I just felt a closeness to him because right. he get, took the time to, to help me out. No, I get it. I get it. So I have to tell you something. Mm-hmm. When you were at UTSA is when I saw videos of, of you mm-hmm. uh, somewhere. I saw you playing online somewhere. And I even, I even told Renee, uh, I said, that's how I found out Renee knew you. I said, have you seen this? He goes, oh yeah, it's Christina. I was like, what the fuck is she? <laughs> and I remember seeing it. And then I think he mentioned something about your, your dad and the hot music. And, and my first, my first thought as bad as it sounds, I hope she doesn't do Tahano. <laughs> let me tell you why let me tell you why and it's not out not out of disrespect for Tahana yeah. music but mm-hmm. more out of respect for your playing mm-hmm. that's where that came out of mm-hmm. because when I saw it I was like oh man she she doesn't she she needs to be somewhere else mm-hmm. and that was my first thought when I mm-hmm. found that out I was like oh my god and then you went to Hana, which nothing bad. I mean, I'm not, I'm not no, disrespecting No, you are not the first person to say that. And, it's and, and it's you more know, out of respect for your playing. And, and the only, and like I, like where the story was earlier, the only reason I'm in it is because I just kept getting pulled further and further in. Oh, I get it. Because of my dad. And, and there's, it's, it's fine. I grew to love it. Mm-hmm. I absolutely grew to love it, obviously. Um, but 
It's not my first love by any stretch. Is it? I'm my still first? waiting to be a rock star. Uh, like when I was younger. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, it, it's not. Uh, you don't catch me listening to it. You know, on our 15-hour drives to Colorado, mm-hmm. I, I don't. I don't listen to it. I listen to completely different music. I listen to a lot of rock music, a lot of pop music. So let's talk about that. You record with Stephanie? <clears throat> I did. Well, her last album, La Duena, that came out, I think it's two years at this point. Um, I, I did record on that So you album. bring up a good point because yeah, even when we were writing back in the day, uh, none of the guys really listened to, to Tejano music. Mm-hmm. We listened to some of the stuff that, that was on the air. We'd hear it occasionally. But when we, went, when we were writing a new CD, me personally, I stayed away from it. I wanted whatever I was going to do to not be influenced by what was out there right now. Right. And that that's, I mean, that's where, I mean, it started for me. Because when, when I played with Mike, I love learning that style, the mm-hmm. Chicano style mm-hmm. and the horns. I love playing on the stage with horns. There's nothing more that gets my heart racing than hearing horns play. And um, I loved it. It was so much fun. But, you know, just kind of the musicians, we all started getting better gigs just you know that gig more frequently right and i started playing for casey savala first and her music was innovative she had just left moss and um i liked it and i liked her and it was a respect you know i i enjoyed it but there was and and this is how i ended up in stephanie's band most people don't know i I was gonna gonna ask that (laughs) um we had this meeting uh, with a whole bunch of the Tahano producers talking about, hey, what can we do to make this industry better? And I was just a fly on the wall. Casey wanted me there to to just listen because I was young. And she's mm-hmm. like, what is your take being somebody young who right. is in the industry? So I just sat and listened, and that's when I met Stephanie. Now, I'd already met Stephanie with Grupo Exito when we did Tahano y Mas. Um, but, I mean, I... I knew her songs and stuff, like the old songs, but I, I didn't really know her. Mm-hmm. And so I got to talking to her and we just talked for a long time about the industry and, you know, G- Gabe and Stephanie's thoughts about it and how they really aligned with mine at the time. And I don't know, it was it was like an instant connection. Stephanie then, you know, goes on to message me on Facebook. I kid you not, it was a few days later after that meeting. Hey, do you know any drummers that are young who could fill in for, for my gigs? You know? Hint, hint. Well, that's what I thought. But no, she was actually genuinely oh. asking me if I knew any. Because she knew I was playing with Casey. Oh, you know, okay, okay. And, 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 I, and I told her, I was like, uh, well, I'm not playing, you know. I was like, uh, so I called Casey and I'm like, Casey, can I, you know, are you going to be upset? She said, no. She was like, you do what you want to do, you know, and. Casey was very cool about it. And Casey told me, that's a good gig for you. And thank you, Casey, for telling me that and telling me to go forth and conquer with with Stephanie. And that's what I did. You know, I played a few gigs with her just to fill in. And then it was one of those things where I'm still here. I'm still playing for her. And How long have you been with her total? It's we're going on four years, four and a half, four and a half years or something. I know we're past four years, though. I always see the anniversary. My first gig with her. This is a good story. First gig <laughs> with her was uh, Midland, Texas. I take it back. We play. I play. She used to have this thing called Lush, and we still do it. Right, right. Um, the, pop the music, top, top forty, top forty, top 40 here, Latin and American cover mm-hmm. band, and we played this little bar. So that was cool because that was music I was familiar with. It was mm-hmm. pop music stuff I could, you know, could have played with, my, you know, with no experience, right. knowing the songs or anything. I had fun that right. night. 
But then we played in Midland, and it was her music, and I wasn't supposed to play that gig. The her drummer that she was using at the time was still going to play that gig, and then all of a sudden he couldn't. And she's like, "Uh, are you busy Saturday?" And I was like, "No." Well, do you want to play? I was like, well, I haven't learned your music. <laughs> I haven't learned it yet. You know, I'm still, you know, I know some of the songs. You learned it on the drive out there. Yeah. <laughs> so we had a rehearsal and it was all good or whatever, but it, it wasn't like a full rehearsal. It was, the rehearsal was more for that Friday gig. And then, you know, that we went on with the Saturday gig and um, that video is online of my first gig and it go. is so bad, but I missed every stop, everything that could have <laughs> been there. I tried, Who you know, cares? and it was my first time playing like it w- with, um, playing the Hano music. I would already done this before playing the Hano music with in-ears and stuff okay. like that. Uh, I, I, previous to that, I, I played with a cover band that did in-ears and then we had outfits and stuff. It was like a top 40 cover band or whatever. Super outfits insane. Kind of outfits. I wore a vest, skinny jeans, and a bra. Nice. And some boots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My hair was like up to here, and like five pounds of makeup. Hairspray. Mm-hmm. I learned how to like. I learned how to do the the in ear stuff and the click stuff with that. So that that's what I took from that band. And I had played with my rock band. We played on metronome in my ear all the mm-hmm. time, and stuff. But it was my first time playing that you, style. It, you know Emilio's boys, right? Yeah. Well, the, I don't, uh, don't know. Well, you know him pers- personally, you know him pers- but you know that uh, Emilito plays drums, right? Mm-hmm. I I watched him grow up. Right. They used to hang around all the time. Right. And you split. You talk about in ears and click tracks in your in your ear. Um, when, the last time I played with him years ago, he was a good drummer. Mm-hmm. And then when I re- when I recently played with him, I don't remember the last time, but it was one of the things with, when when Emilio was still around. He played, and I turned and looked at him. I said, "What the fuck did you do?" He goes, mm-hmm. what? what is your, I said, your timing is perfect. Well, the, he had this other band, uh, Red Revolution and some other band, whatever. But they used click and they used tracks. And because he did that so much, his playing just became mm-hmm. solid outside of using mm-hmm. it. That it teaches you to, your, your timing gets, gets mm-hmm. a lot better because you have that yeah. click constantly. And here. if you watch literally any video of me playing with Mike Torres or Casey Savala on YouTube, and I don't suggest anybody do this, but... Um, <laughs> I had terrible time. And I mean, it was solid, but it was fast. It was so fast. I would rush. I just, where was I going speeding off to? I have no idea, but poor musicians had to follow me. <laughs> and the minute I started playing with, with Steph, it's not that I couldn't follow a metronome. It's just my natural playing was rushed. And I think it was just the adrenaline and me being so young and excited. And now I'm much more like disciplined when I don't have a metronome on right. as far as time. And I have that click in my ear. Um, and, you know, there's a very there's a very big um, conversation about click and Tahano and tracks. And I know that people, so many people are against it. But you know what? And I hate to say it rudely. Say it. <laughs> <laughs> you try playing to that click. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry, but there are so many drummers who are think that they are the greatest <laughs> God-given drummer that, that need on click. the world, you know, <laughs> or whatever. And I'd love to see them play to a track and click and make it. And people are like, well, it takes away the feel. That's your job to make it a feel. It doesn't matter. The, the click is there to help you. That's like saying every drummer in L.A., or anywhere that's playing for somebody has no feel. Right. But yet, those are the drummers that we are supposed to look up to. That's ridiculous. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And and I, I'm sorry for everybody who disagrees with that. Like, 
go ahead and go try to play to a click. Though people, you know, you can make that click your feel. Right. You can feel it. Mm-hmm. And that's what, you know, I've managed to do. And it was hard because Gabriel is a very good bass player. Mm-hmm. And Gabriel and I butted heads about feel. He wanted to lead the pack and I was used to leading the pack and um we still butt heads sometimes but that, a lot. that makes a that makes a good it, yeah it does and i think now it's like when i've i've dabbled with playing other with other people just jamming out i don't know how i'm so used to gabriel right we had a guy sit in in colorado with this on one song on lucis so gabriel could sing and i was lost i was like what is this not that he was playing anything bad right. it just, just wasn't gabriel you know right, and right. you get you, used you to get playing used to with that, somebody that feel with a person i mean mm-hmm. i remember me and uh, you know adrian regalado mm-hmm. plays the conjunto primavera now mm-hmm. but he was with emilio at the time mm-hmm. i remember when we played together <clears throat> and at first we were pushing and pulling you mm-hmm. know what i mean i just that, that find, was find gabe and group. i i didn't know if it was gonna work out yeah. i mean we had to have sit down and have conversations about is this gonna work out because <laughs> i remember stephanie going i don't know christina you know <laughs> and i felt the same way you know i told her, you know what i told her so i want this gig and i'm gonna make it work you know right. I'm, i want it i want it so bad i was so in love with that song Polna Moss. i just want that i listened to that thing on repeat when it came out and i wanted to play for her band right and you know i i did and even when we recorded this last album, it was different. You know, I'd never worked in the studio at a caliber of Stephanie's. And um, Gabriel has a lot of ideas of how he wants things to sound perfectly. Um, and, with that, and, you know, I think everybody's used to Gabriel using tracked drums. And no, that is me playing on the album. There's only one or two songs that did not need live drums. It just didn't. It wouldn't have made sense right. for, for live drums. But the rest is me, and it was a hard album to record. Very hard. I, I mean, I I was challenged, and I loved it. You don't get that all the time. I, I would prefer to be challenged than to play the same old right. pa all night. <laughs> so so now with Gabriel, is it is it more Because I remember, like I said, me and Adrian would, would push and pull. But after a certain point, we, we would get to the point where we'd, we'd do something, and I'd hit with his with his fill, and he'd hit with my my lick, <laughs> and we both and we both guy. and we both look at each other and just kind of like, and he would he would do this to me, he'd yeah, go, <laughs> yeah, and it, and it, you know, there, it depends on the sound guy. It really does. It was Stephanie. It's important, it right? depends on the sound guy because if I'm not gonna have a feed in my ears for the night, guess what? I can't hear Gabriel. The click right. is more important at the end of the day, and he's having to feed off me entirely, and I think he's figured out my drumming, and I have figured out his bass playing for the most part. So. I think we've just figured it out at this point. We we really have. Well, and, after four years, you yeah. kind of the, the in. only other bass player, and I have to give him a shout because I used to have the time of my life with him. When I played with Mike Torres, this is a guy named uh, Anthony Revia, and he played bass for Grupo Ondo for a while, and now he's he's not playing so much anymore. But um, I mean, he still plays, but just he moved back to Midland, and that guy could literally be blindfolded on another stage, and him and I could play the same stops and turns like like one like uh, there was this guy who came up to us one time he's like can i hire you to just play bass and drums on my album <laughs> just you two i don't want the band or anybody and i was like, <laughs> like sure but we didn't end up doing anything but that's the only other guy that i've really played bass with that i just it's an immediate connection with gabriel it was a learned 
kind right. of a learned thing, and and it's because he's such but, a great bass player. But even at that, it, that that's even a better process because you go through so much. You go through those those pains, those mm-hmm. growing pains, kind of things where like you learn yeah. the hard way. And when I joined Steph's band, here I come from traditional, classically trained drummer, like. You know, do not overplay. Do not have like basically don't have any energy. And <laughs> and Stephanie's band requires all your energy. I'm sorry, like right. you, you've got to show it. If she's it's it's not gonna look right because she has so much energy. And if if you're up there with with no energy whatsoever, that's not the band for you. And, and she used to tell me I need more fills. Like play it harder. Like you know I need to feel it. You know Casey used to tell me the same thing too. And I just didn't understand what they were saying. Right. And I was like, I'm playing hard, you know, what am, what else? <laughs> and it used to, I used to, it used to frustrate me. And he was like, you know what? I'm just going to give it a hundred and a hundred percent of, let's see what I can do tonight. Or, you know, I, I sat down and I practiced at the moment, you know, whatever. And I would think about what am I going to play here? What am I going to play here? Are we going to put stops here? Are we going to put breaks here? You know, I would think about all those things and it ended up just getting better better and better and better and better and by that time when we recorded la dueña which was two years ago i was having my it was funny i would have my drum set lesson with dr francis at utsa and then i'd go over to record the album so i was already warm oh, okay i was already warm <laughs> and i'd get there and Gabriel was like play this play this play this, you know and, I, and i'm playing it and like, dude, you're challenging me. Like, <laughs> so I'm tired. I'm burnt out. You know, like, I'm like, tired for the day. I already been challenged for an hour with Dr. Francis, and you're going to challenge me some more. But, man, one of those cumbias was hard. And then I don't I don't know how much you know that album, but Querisa Me Das, I feel like I need to lose 20 pounds to, to play that one. <laughs> Why? Why is that? Because it was fast. <laughs> but I, I recorded it. But like I said, at the time, I'd get there, and I was warm. So I could right. play, like, for for a while but when we play it on stage we don't play it all the time but we do here and there just time permitting and i uh, man I, i've got to like get i feel like i need to like run around the the gig before i can really play it or whatever <laughs> but it, it's fun I, I had a fun time recording that album we had a lot of fun on the facebook uh patrick o'flynn says go cougars mike torres is actually in here uh. he said la fabula fabulosa uh, Percy said I was there and I concur Christina was terrible at her first gig, <laughs> gig with Stephanie but you could hear her talent in the chaos I, I knew she would be great uh, Silva Billy this woman is a beast and I put her up on a shove with the best Chito Morales says the ant oh the yeah okay. Anthony alright so we got a lot of people in here I'm, I'm glad to see everybody here watching uh, so uh, we're getting ready to almost getting ready. we've been here like a while already so. Yeah, like 45 yeah um, minutes i have a thing with i have a sickness mm-hmm. and I, this is something i want to know about a lot of musicians yeah what's your most embarrassing moment <sighs> and i always say that because i've actually fallen off of the stage oh you mean like that you know what i've had quite a few they're not i don't know if they're embarrassing um, I mean, I I have moments where I make a lot of mistakes. I'm I'm I still make mistakes. I'm talking about like, but, <laughs> you know, I have a tendency, and and the whole Stephanie Montiel's band can they know this. Um, if I don't eat, 
uh, if I don't eat and we go play a gig, I'm going to pass out. Like, there's no way. So th- there's just no way around it. I will. I- I'm exerting so much energy. And oh, okay. I'll pass out. So there was, there's been two gigs, actually. But th- Did you pass out? Well, I came very close. So there was a gig in San Angelo. I don't, it was way too hot. It was so hot outside. And uh, I felt myself blacking out. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm yelling at them to food i need food i need something <laughs> so one of stephanie's friends had to go like grab a cliff bar that i had saved um outside of the car and the reason i didn't eat and i i have never told stephanie this is because i really don't like arby's and that's where we stopped <laughs> <laughs> it's one of stephanie's favorites and we stopped there every now and then and i we actually, we were in Colorado and we stopped there and I, I had already eaten something. I don't remember what I ate, but I told her, I says, Arby's your favorite? She's like, no, but I really like it. I, it's like every time I we stop at Arby's, I really want to tell her how much I don't like it. So this is, Stephanie, if you're else. listening, I really uh, don't like when we stop at Arby's. <laughs> but they don't really sell anything else, right? Arby's besides roast beef? Do they, they don't have like don't a chicken know. sandwich? They just, have stuff, but just, I don't like it. You just it's don't just like the restaurant good. in general? Yeah, I've tried different things. Oh, okay. I just don't like it. I don't like Arby's. <laughs> The only thing I'll eat from there is cheese sticks, and I can, don't eat that. So I, you know, I, I hate it. I absolutely hate. It. So that was that's why I didn't eat that gig. And then the second one uh, that I almost passed out on, and this was uh, in Midland. I can't even remember. It was somewhere. Uh, I had we had to stop. You know, right after the show, I'm like, talk, please talk. I went and poured like like bottles all over me it was so hot put it in my hat i did everything i possibly could because it was so hot i get overheated easily um i don't have a lot of embarrassing moments on stage Nothing. you're no. falling down never no i'm not you're young clumsy. there's still time there's still time i'm not very clumsy <laughs> uh i mean don't get me wrong i'll i'll knock over stuff here and there but i'm, I'm not super clumsy i've never fallen i don't like being on high risers i don't like racks i As get a drummer yeah you're you're pretty much always on on a riser up, no? yeah and i will not look behind me if i'm too high i don't like racks every time i show up to a gig and they have a house kit and there's a rack i don't want to play the gig um it's i become a princess <laughs> Uh, I'm actually no seriously I'm actually known by some of the sound guys that we see on rotation they're like are you gonna be mad at me today like they'll ask me like are you gonna put you know the right mix in my ears (laughs) like that's gonna determine if I mean to you tonight or not and it's not that I mean it's just I'm picky and it's it's like okay if I bust out the inner ears it doesn't mean for you to run to the hills and be scared about not how to why are you a sound guy if you can't mix (laughs) mix your stuff right and it's a constant battle in the Tahano industry like you I don't know who's running sound. Like, who's teaching? You can't go buy a system and say I run sound. Uh, I know you're you're a drummer. You play with Stephanie Montiel. You uh, you're an amazing drummer, actually. I've heard you play. Props to you. Do you have anything you want to plug? <laughs> uh, did, did you just get a new job? <laughs> well, okay. So uh, I actually work in the real estate industry. Well, so if anyone is looking to uh, buy or sell your house, let me know. I have. Where can I they will, find you? Uh, you can find me anywhere on Facebook. <laughs> you can find me on any social media. I'm not actually the real estate agent. I'm part of a team. I do marketing uh, for okay. the team. But my agent, Carmen Bean, my boss, uh, 
she is the number two ranked realtor in San Antonio. There you go. So she can get it done. So if anybody's, there's my plug. But aside from that, that that's what I do during the day now. Um, Christina, thank you so much for doing the podcast. I know you came from work. I am. Oh yeah. I'm. I appreciate your time. Oh yeah. And. Uh, Man, it went by fast. It did. It really did. I <laughs> Thank you it. so Thank much. You. Everybody on Facebook. Um, so the next time we go to lunch, it'll be Arby's, right? Holly? No. <laughs> Holly not. Patrick <laughs> Flynn says they have the beef. So <laughs> to everybody who joined us on the Facebook Live, thank you so much for listening in. Be sure to, to go to Texas Music Spotlight and like the Facebook page. This podcast will be released in about two weeks, uh, but you can always watch the video over and over again to your heart's content. Again, thank you to... Hold on. Gavino Aragus says bowling. Okay. So thanks again to Christina Hinoso for joining us uh, today on the podcast. Thank you so much, Christina. Uh-huh. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Texas Music Spotlight Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and visit our website, TexasMusicSpotlight.com, to find out how you can be a part of the live recordings. Until next time, please continue to support local artists and music in your hometown. I did forget to say one thing. Okay. Beyonce's ex drummer told me that if you can't read music, you'll never make it. Mm-hmm. Beyonce's drummer. My my girlfriend paid for me to take a lesson with her one time, but um, okay. yeah. But uh, I I take a lesson. She's my one of my favorite drummers, and she um she told me like just straight up. If you think that you can make it in this industry without being able to read music, you can't. She said you'll never make it on this level without being able to read. She told me that, like, just straight up. And she's like, so you have an advantage over so many people. We're still recording. We're just not on Facebook Live. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, the audio's still recording, but oh, there's no it? video. There's yeah. no video. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She told me that. And, and that was, I took that to heart 